This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey guys, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I am your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, Tyler Hurley. Hey, what's up, you guys? We are super excited to be back with a new episode this week, and it's another one off topic that we're very eager to get into. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about what is the purpose of sex? Yes. What is the purpose? Biblically, what does Jesus have to say when he weighs on this issue? And uh, why did God design this amazing gift for human beings? So we're going to talk about all of that, uh, which is going to be fun. Yeah, it's good to um, take away from what the world teaches us and take a biblical perspective on it, which a lot of you are familiar with, like the biblical perspective. But the goal of this is to really break that down and to uh, just kind of explain what the exact intended purpose is. Yep, and that's what we're going to do today. But before we do that, we always start the show off with a coffee tip. And Tyler, you yeah. have our coffee tip yeah, for the day. Yeah, this is really funny, actually. So you may have heard the t- the expression cup of joe when you're talking about a cup of coffee. Oh, people like, say that all the time, yeah. yeah I'll yeah. go for a cup of joe. Exactly. It's coffee. Exactly, yeah, cup of joe. That's a very common phrase. And so... The interesting fact about where that name comes from is what I'm going to share a little story for you guys. Uh, So this is a little piece of history for you all. In 1914, the 41st Secretary of the United States Navy, Josephus Daniels, banned alcohol on all Navy ships because he was religious and he Mm. was very strict and he was like, no, I don't want any alcohol on my ships. I want sailors to just get rid of it. So... That was something like that he was kind of implementing to have it be like a good moral thing for the Navy. Mm -hmm. It was something he was trying to change. So instead of having alcohol on these ships, now Navy sailors were drinking coffee. Okay, that makes sense. You have to drink something. Yeah, it was their substitute. Uh So they're they're thinking uh, like they're really annoyed by this because beforehand... It was like free reign. Like you can have as much alcohol on the ship as you wanted. Like that was just custom. So now they had to only drink coffee as their special drink. So they were getting upset by this. So to mock him, they would go around sarcastically with everyone. Oh, here, how about you have a cup of Josephus Daniels? Like, like, I'll (laughs) drink this Because he's the guy who made them have to have it. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, like it was their way to mock him and say like, yeah, here, let's all share a cup of Josephus Daniels to pass the time instead of to like a good like drink of alcohol. Yeah. So that is where it came from. And so to shorten that, because uh, just saying Josephus Daniels is a little bit of a mouthful, they would just say, here, have a cup of Joe. Oh, nice. Okay. And that's, and that's it. where it came from. That's, that's where it came from. from. And wow. it, it's hilarious because now that's become such a common phrase. It's yeah. just like everybody uses it. Yeah. So, but that's where it came from. That's Cup crazy. of Joe is uh, originated from Cup of Josephus Daniels sarcastically. That's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, like that. Yeah. So next time you say it, remember funny. the story. Remember where it comes from. Remember who yeah. you're mocking when you say a cup of Joe. That's right? exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just remember you're, when you're saying that, it's like, oh, I could be drinking alcohol, but. Yeah, but here it <laughs> Thanks, is. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I always so thought it had to do with like Java or something, but that's yeah, kind of what doesn't I make sense, too. right? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what it was. I thought it was just an, like just some generic nickname, like, oh, yeah. this is. 
Cup of Joe, because Joe's a common name, so it's yeah, a common... Yeah, sure. I always thought common cup of coffee. That's kind of where my mindset went. Common, oh, I just don't know, like average plain. Joe, average cup of coffee. Yeah, could I be. don't know. But still, that's where my mind went, but that's really the, the story. It's a cup of Josephus Daniels. That's fascinating, man. Maybe, maybe try that with your friends next time you offer them coffee. Say, want a cup of Josephus Daniels? And then you can tell the story, yeah, and they'll be like, yeah. wow, where yeah. do you learn this insightful trivia? And you can say, actually, there's this podcast that I listen what to. What do you know? And every single week, there's unbelievable... <laughs> Unbelievable coffee facts. Yeah, so, look at that. Yeah, and then we can subscribe. Subscriptions will go up. It'll be great all around. So yes, thanks yes. for the coffee tip. That's awesome. Well, there we go. So yep. hopefully you guys enjoyed that coffee tip. Well, now we're going to switch gears and we're going to get into the topic of the day. We're going to be talking about what is the purpose of sex. And I did want to plug a book for you guys. So if mm -hmm. you're watching, uh, you can see this book that I'm holding. This is a new book by Sean McDowell. It's called Chasing Love, Sex, Love, and Relationships in a Confused Culture. You can buy it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Really great book. He goes through a whole bunch of different aspects of sexuality, what love is, what marriage is, singleness, all of these aspects. And so I've been reading this book for a class that I'm teaching. And um, one of the things that fascinated me was he, he really dives into these three primary aspects of sex, purposes mm. of sex. And so I thought it'd be kind of a cool thing to talk about that today yeah. and to, to get into the scripture and to think through what is the purpose for sex. And the, the big idea with all of this is unless you know something's intended purpose, or what it's for, you don't know how to do it in the right way. Yeah, that's right. right. Have you ever found like, um, you know, sometimes around the house even, I'll find like uh, uh, plugs or cords to stuff, and I don't know what they're for. Yeah, like I've I've actually mixed up laptop chargers before with that. Yeah, like, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, you just make, like mix up different cords that have different plugs. Yeah, it happens yeah. All the time. I, I mean, I've been Kelly and I've been married thirteen years now, and so like we have like old old cords lying around. I mean, we probably should get rid of some of this stuff. But like when we first got married, we had a digital camera. Do you remember those? Oh yeah, they were like a thing before your phone uh, had had pictures. Yeah, on it, I had right? one myself actually. Yeah, yeah. and. So we love that thing, and it had this special, specific chords to it. But now you go and look at it, and it doesn't fit anything, right? Mm, but yep. if I don't know what its intended use is, I can't uh, use it appropriately. Yeah. And so yeah. when it comes to sex, it's the same thing. We need to know what did God intend for this to be in order to know if we are doing it the correct way. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're going to be breaking down. It's just how it was intended in the purpose. And, and with yep. that, we we're going to start really quick by looking in Genesis, which a lot of you have heard this passage before. Uh, it's in the story creation. Um, I'm going to read it really quick. Uh, so it says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is such an awesome passage because a couple of things. First of all, we see that the very first blessing, the very first thing that God says to them uh, in Genesis uh, 1, 27, or 28, mm -hmm. it says that God blessed male and female, right? He yeah, blessed yeah. them, and he tells them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. Yeah, yeah. The very first blessing 
that God speaks onto us is the ability to procreate after our own kind. Now, we're made in his image and likeness, and he created us in his image and likeness, and he has endowed our species with the ability to create mm. people in our image and likeness. Yeah. Like, my son looks like me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And so God gives us that ability. And so right off the bat, sex is an important aspect and, and a blessing that God has given us. Um, every high school student loves this command. This is one that they get behind, right? Mm, oh, the yeah. very first command yeah. is be fruitful, multiply, have sex. I'm in, right? Like done. <laughs> <laughs> so this is great. This is a huge blessing. It's not like sex was an afterthought. Sex is intended. God had a plan for it and a purpose for it. Yes, of course. The other thing with this passage that we see is is the image of God uh, is also male and female. Did you see where it says God created man in his own image? And then he repeats it because there's these three lines. God created man in his own image. Then he inverses it. In the image of God, see, he created them. So God created man in his own image. Next line, prepositional phrases first. In the image of God, he yeah. created him. In the next line, it says, uh, he create, uh, sorry, uh, in the image of God, he created him. And then yeah, the next line, female. male and female, he created them. So think about this. Created him, created them are parallels that go together. In the image of God, male and female are parallels that go together. Yeah. So mm-hmm. male and female is an aspect of the image of God in humanity. Exactly. And the, the two of them together, that's that's what it's implying here. It's saying the two male and female together, that is the image of God. Yes, they can exhibit the image of God well. And we when we talked about femininity, we talked about how there's feminine aspects to God. Yeah. And there's masculine yeah. aspects to God. Um, but this is important for us. Um, male and femaleness... Uh, gender, right? Sex is something that God created and it isn't something that um, God is subject to. Yeah. God is not sexed. He's not a gender, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus now is because he's taken on a male body. Right. Yeah. But God isn't gender. So some people argue, oh, he's gender fluid. Uh, He's not because, because gender is a created aspect and he's above creation. Exactly. So he's yeah. not so he's not submissive to that idea, but we are, and this is important for us. And it's really interesting, even when you talk about angels, like I, we never are told angels have a sex. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, uh, like they're depicted in a lot of like movies and like media stuff is like like ma- men typically a lot mm-hmm. of times there's things like that, but there's not like spe- specified. It actually, I think there's stronger argument. To the contrary in scripture, by the way the angels are described. And well, so, and it says yeah. that Jesus said there isn't marriage in heaven. You, you Humans won't oh, exactly. marry. They'll be like angels who yeah. don't marry and, and don't procreate. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so, so this is a real huge blessing for us. Exactly, yeah. And this is something that's meant for right now. Yeah, yeah. well, and the other thing I think is really cool is that in the creation story, you know, God creates animals and fish and, and birds and all of that. He doesn't mention male and female until he creates humans. Yeah. It's really interesting, right? He doesn't mention that. Even though they're procreating and they they reproduce after their own kind. Yeah, and they were doing that like as there's like, a, before humans were yeah, created. Yeah, but there's a special significance to an aspect of the image of God is our male and femaleness. Um, another thing, too, I wanted to mention before we move on that's mm-hmm. really important to this is when God created everything, there isn't sin yet, right? Sin comes after yeah, a bad decision right. uh, on Adam and Eve's part. 
So often people, instead of having their identity based in who we actually are as humans, being created in the image of God, they will base their identity in their sin. Mm. So this is really important as Christians. Now, again, sin has tainted us. We're pervasively depraved. It's a real problem. But it isn't who we are. It's a wreckage of who we are. Yeah, that's right. So when people identify with, believe that the core identity of themselves is their sin, they're so crazy off base Mm. because that isn't who we are at all. Our identity, the core of our identity is that we are created in the image of God. Yeah, that's... So does it make sense? It's it's very important when we talk about sexuality from a Christian perspective. Yeah, and that that's just important. That's kind of what we're trying to get at here. Is it's uh, that's what sex is. Like anything that's uh, kind of against that is something that's been corrupted and changed through the sinful world that we live in. uh, Is what we're going to be getting into. Well, another thing too, and I just I just yeah yeah of course. When you when you look at Genesis one. Look at how God created his image bearers, right? Hmm. So like you just read uh, 126. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him rule over the fish. So God has a consultation within himself, the Trinity, right? Different persons. He, He consults himself and then he creates image bearers. In order for us to create image bearers, we have to meet with another person. You're right. It's yes. fascinating the uh, the the um, similarities with how he did this. Now, I don't think God had sex with himself or anything. I'm not saying that. Right, of course. But there was a relational consultation aspect to it, much like we have to have when we're coming together to create image bearers for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah that's such a cool thought. But... I mean, yeah, and I wanted to also share, too, this is a quote from Sean McDowell, and this is, I believe, from that book. Is that correct? It is from the book, yeah, but let's, let's so now let's get into the three primary aspects of sex. Yes, the three primary the three purposes, primary, yes, all right? exactly. So the first purpose of sex, um, not, and these aren't, okay, the, there's three aspects. These aren't in, like, order of importance. Yes, yes, I, I want to make sure. They, they there's just different, three different ones, yeah. The first one we're going to talk about, though, the first aspect of sex, the first purpose of it mm-hmm. is procreation. Yes, procreation. God commands verse. and blesses humanity with the ability to be fruitful and multiply. Um, so, yeah, do you want to read that first Sean McDowell quote? Sure, yeah. Uh, so it says, sex between a man and a woman is procreative act even if a child does not result. And uh, well, you got to think about that. That's an interesting okay, so, concept, Yeah, right? let's think about this. Yeah, Let's say it again. Say it again. Yeah, we want to make again. sure we get this down. I think down. this is yeah. really good. Uh, sex between a man and a woman is a procreative act, even if a child does not result. So in reading this idea from Sean, what he's saying is um, every heterosexual encounter that happens doesn't produce a child. Yeah. Right? That's, that's obvious true. truth, uh-huh. right? But um, there a couple of reasons, like um, it just doesn't always happen. Uh, some heterosexual couples are infertile, right? They uh-huh. cannot have kids. Um, but what he is saying is that this sexual activity is oriented towards procreation. Yes. The, it, 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 it is the activity that produces procreation, right? So same-sex couples don't engage in procreative sex. That's true. Because yeah. their bodies by design are not oriented toward procreation. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's what he's getting at. Let, read that next quote to you. This kind of clears up some of this idea. Yeah, of course. It says, there is a difference between an act that fails to produce an, its intended outcome, uh, infertile opposite sex activity, and an action that cannot produce an intended outcome by its very nature, same sex activity. That's interesting, right? Yeah. A difference between an action that fails mm -hmm. to produce its intended outcome versus an action that cannot produce an intended outcome. Yes, exactly. It's fascinating, mm -hmm. this idea. So sex by design is a procreative activity, mm -hmm. and often it results in procreation. Yeah. This is a gift God has given us to create image bearers of him, but also image bearers of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, like, it, it is a procreative act because you got to even think, like, uh, there's people out there who are not trying to create. Mm -hmm. They don't want a child to result from it. And a child is ends up happening. Yes. Where, whether, like, accidents or contraceptives don't work, like, things happen. So regardless, it is a procreative act. It's the activity that mm -hmm. results in babies. It is. <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that... That may seem like we're really breaking this down a lot, but there's a point to that. We we need to really understand what God's purpose is by defining these things, really yes. breaking down what it is. And that's essentially what sex is. It is a procreative act. That's one of the three purposes. <laughs> yes, of one sex. of three purposes. Yep, that's right. Correct. Well, now let's talk about. So let's 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 also mention this idea about systems in the body. Yeah. So yeah. we all have a lot of different systems in our bodies, right? So what are what are some of these systems that we have? Yeah. Well, there's the circulatory system. What does that do? Well, I mean, it pumps just, blood, yeah, right? Pumps blood. Cardiovascular. Exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. It, that's what it is, right? It yeah, pumps exactly. our blood. It's a good system. I'm thankful for of it. Of course. Right? Uh, and then the digestive system. That's a great system. Some people have issues with this, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> IBS, but... Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but we have a digestive system, right? We yeah. also have immune system, right? Of course. That's gotten a lot of play with COVID. Yep, that's right. right. Uh, uh, nervous system, respiratory system, skeletal like system. Like, there's systems and functions within the human body. Yep. That have an intended purpose, right? Yes. Yeah, but one of them that we're going to focus on is the reproductive system. Yeah, well, what's unique about the reproductive system? Yeah, that's what's interesting, right? It's fascinating that all of the other systems in our bodies fulfill their intended function individually, except the reproductive system. What do you mean? The reproductive system in order for it to fulfill its function, needs to have another person. And it can't be any other person. It has to be a person of the opposite sex from us because you can't reproduce with the same sex. See, this is a fascinating point. Every system in my body is fully sufficient to yeah, function. Yeah, it is. Except you, for my mm -hmm. sexual reproductive system. You need the sexual reproductive system of another. Of another, not just any other, but I need a woman. Opposite sex, yes. It has to be the opposite. That is, so just from a, mm -hmm. not from a biblical standpoint, just from a ob observing how human beings are standpoint. Yeah. It's fascinating. It just, it's human nature. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating to think that I have to have somebody in order to fulfill the intended purpose 
of half of a system that I hold with half of a system that they hold. Yes, human beings cannot continue on and continue to be created unless those reproductive systems are paired with another. Yep. Yes, so that is very fascinating. It's completely different than the rest of the systems in the body. And so when we're talking about purpose, right? Yeah. There is, just from observation of how men and women's bodies are, there is a purpose of physically coming together Mm -hmm. in order to procreate. There's an intention there that prospers our species. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but there's more to it than that, right? Yeah, uh, you got a course. really qu- good quote. There's this other guy, uh, Todd Wilson. He wrote a great book called mm. Mere Sexuality. But you got a good quote from him about this idea. Yeah, of course. He says, men and women have one and only one bodily organ that has been specifically designed for a complement. And when these two organs, the male and the female sexual organs, come together to perform one unified, un- unifying act... They form a one flesh union quite literally, physically, indeed, even biologically. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right? And that's true. That's like we said, this is a driven purpose, right? That we can see through how the human body is designed. Yep. You can see that that is what is it, like, that's the intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. There is a design and intention and purpose in this type of a union between a man and a woman. Yeah. Of course. Now, second purpose of uh, sex. Uh, so one of the purposes is procreation. Mm-hmm. Second purpose is oneness or unity, mm-hmm. right? Oneness or unity. Uh, I want to read to you Genesis 2, 23 through 24. Uh, this is when Adam sees Eve for the first time. Uh, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Yeah. One flesh. Unity. Mm-hmm. Oneness. All right? So let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like what, is, yeah. what does this mean? Okay? And you've got a cool quote uh, from yes. Kevin DeYoung. Yeah, I'm going to share that. So it says, right, the ish man and isha woman can become one flesh because theirs is not just a sexual union, but a reunion. The bringing together of two differentiated beings with one made from and both made for the other. That's so awesome. Because you say, because yeah. Eve was made out of Adam's rib, right? Exactly. And so yes. you're saying it's, it's a reunion. It's not just union. It's a reunion of the oneness exactly, yes. that had been there. And that's what he's saying with the um, the verbiage too, with the, the traditional language, right? Mm-hmm. Ish and isha, isha yes. being out of ish, yep. w- woman, right? Yep. So the that's, man, the woman. Exactly, yep. yeah. So that's the point he's trying to make here is he's saying it's not a union. Like you're not coming together man and woman first like this is a reunion because men a woman was made came out of man and that is the idea it is a being complete right you're being made whole in each other back together exactly yeah and and that's and that's why okay and so this is interesting so it describes this as being one flesh right now what is significant about it being one flesh it is kind of a weird way to describe this union it really is yeah and the bible defines this union as one flesh because it's it's not one heart one soul one mind see but that's but that's like what about what about soulmate Right. Well, people what say about, that a lot. What about we That's just a, have we're on the same wavelength? We have one mind. Those are all. Why very does the Bible things. say one flesh, Tyler? Yeah. Well, the reason is because we have 
intimate relationships with tons of different people, right? Well, we yeah. do. What, what do you mean by intimate? Yeah, well, by intimate, we have friends, we have family we're close with, yeah. uh, strong emotional connections, deep, meaningful conversations. Uh, like, like I, I mean, I like to think of uh, like the Old Testament, like David, right? Sure. Like, he had um, a unity with his friend... Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, space me for a second. Yeah, yeah they had a bit... Like, it's... Scripture describes it like they had a really deep, good relationship, really yeah. good friendship. Do you have good friendships? Of course I do. Yes, that's good. Yeah, and, that's and you the have thing. good relationships with, with your family. I do. I have a, a great relationship with my family, with friends. So would you say that yeah. you have some friends who you're very like minded with? Of course. So if this yeah. talked about the marriage relationship not being one flesh, but being of one mind, well, you have that with a lot of people. You do. Exactly. Or, or, or a soulmate type thing. Exactly. You can have that with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's the thing. So you have to think, well, then what makes the, the unity between a man and a woman in marriage? What is that? How is that different? Yeah. Because if it's one mind, everybody has that, right? If it's just an intimate relationship, you can have you intimate have relationships. Friends. Yeah, friends, sure. family. And so that's what is interesting. The Bible describes marriage as one flesh relationship, right? Which means this. Um, I have deep relationships with many people in my life, mm -hmm. but there's only one person in my life that I have a one flesh relationship with. Yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. that's my wife. Exactly. So that, that's, that's really important. You don't have to have sex with somebody to have a deep relationship with them. Yes. But there should be only one person that you have sex with, mm -hmm. and that is your spouse. That's the biblical position on sex. That's yeah, where it's exactly. intended uh, to be used. So this is the only type of relationship where mm -hmm. one fleshness takes place. It is a purpose of sex yeah, of to course. bring unity between a man mm -hmm. and wife. Exactly. Right? Husband and wife, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, like that's the thing. It is the only type of of place where this unity is to take place biblically. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to share another passage, uh, Genesis 2, 24, 25. Again, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, right? Mm -hmm. Unity or oneness is deeper than just being this physical act. It's emotional, right? It's biochemical. Like we, there's sci scientifically, mm -hmm. there's some, there's like a, a neurological exchange that happens during this. Yeah. Actually, there are two different, um, chemicals that, that occur, not, mm -hmm. not only two, there's a lot of chemicals that occur, oh, of course, but, yeah. but during yeah. sex, it's interesting. Two that there, we were, there's we're this, talk about, yeah. yeah, there's this chemical called oxytocin, which is a neuro, uh, neurochemical, uh, and it's important in women, especially for building trust or bonding. Um, when women, uh, there's, there's three primary times in a woman's life where oxytocin floods their brain. Hmm. One is when they're giving birth to a child. The second time it floods their brain is when they're breastfeeding their child. And the third time is when they're having sex with, uh, their spouse, their husband. Um, yeah. or their mate, right? When they're having sex, it doesn't have to be with your spouse. It still happens. Um, now what oxytocin does is it, it literally is a chemical that, um, engages the woman in a way where she builds trust with the person or bonds with the person she's with during this flooding of oxytocin in her mind or in her brain. And so it also um, helps women, especially when it comes to sex, to want to and long for their partner in a sexual way more in the future. Mm -hmm. So literally, 
in women, there is a chemical bonding agent happening when they have sex. Yeah. So when people tell me the stuff like, oh, you know, hookup culture is fine. Like, I don't have to give my emotions mm-hmm. over to people. It's just meaningless sex. There isn't something as meaningless sex to no, your body. No. Because there is literally a, a chemical contract yeah. being written in your mind, in your brain, when this goes on. There's literally this chemical that is bonding you to trust and to love. And be, and that's why yeah. when people sleep together and then they break up, it's so devastating and it messes people up and it changes mm-hmm. because you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, it's it, it's scientific what happens. It's biological. <laughs> it's right? biological. This bond is biological. Yep. In men, there is a uh, uh, chemical that's released. It's called vasopressin. Um, and this this has actually been linked with monogamy in men, and it's released when men have sex. So God designed us in such a way that literally we're making a chemical contract with one another when we become one flesh with the other person. Yes, exactly. That's the thing is that monogamy... Uh it's it's leaving all other attachments, right? Well, this and isn't goes- that isn't that exactly what Genesis two says? It is, yes. You That's leave exactly your point. father and mother. Father and mother are the most important relational bond you have, of course, in, in a healthy, yes. idealistic way. And that's when this was written before the fall. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the most important bond you have. But you leave that to become mm. one with your spouse. Yes, right. It says, "Leave father and mother to cling to his wife." That's what it says. That's mm-hmm. the exact phrasing of the passage. Sex is intended to unify two people in, in this exclusive relationship. And that's yes. the idea. Uh, it, like, that's the thing. It's, it's two, right? It's two people in this relationship. Not, not th- three, not yeah. four, not five. Like, cause the thing is, is people think like you said, like casual sex, like, uh, like that's a, there's a culture that surrounds that, that oh, that's yeah. out there. Oh yeah. And it's, and that's the thing. It's not meant to be that way because like uh, not even just like like that's the thing that some people like don't realize is that a lot of god's law isn't just to beat us down with rules right or like like completely come down and just sure. be a hang up or whatever people say it's because this is like literally the best physical design for human beings that he created and we're going against that and we're trying to fight that well yeah there, there's purpose to it there's yeah. a reason for it it's not just to kill our fun yeah yeah the, yeah the other thing is when you don't operate in the way you're supposed to operate it hurts you it does like, like a mm-hmm. diesel engine doesn't work well with regular unleaded gasoline exactly why because yeah. it's not designed for that well yeah. I don't care I want to put this in there well you I mean you can you have a prerogative to do that but it's not good for that type of thing because that type of thing is not designed to do that type of thing yes that's a great way to put it and uh, that's 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 the thing. That is the idea of one flesh, though, that is talked about in Scripture. It's supposed to be one, meaning the man and the woman, right? Well, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Uh, one of them is mm-hmm. we're creating the image of God, and he's more than one person. Oh, of course. Yes. In one being. And again, although we're not becoming the same being, a man and a woman becoming one flesh is a symbol of how God is. He's, yeah, yeah. he's multiple persons in one. Exactly. That's um, true. So there's that aspect to it. Another thing, though, that really is interesting is when the Bible says the two will become one flesh, I, I don't want to get too graphic here, but this is an important point. No matter if it's two girls and one guy or two guys and one girl or six guys and four girls, what? Yeah. you cannot simultaneously be one flesh with more than two people. 
no matter how again i'm not trying to be graphic yeah, but no, yeah, no matter yeah. how like if if two guys are sexually connected to one girl the one person is is with two people but those two people aren't with one another yeah. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? So when the Bible says one flesh, it eliminates any possibility of multiple. Yeah. Because yeah. it can only happen with two people. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the two-ness yeah. idea is from the very beginning mm-hmm. implied in the design and the purpose of unifying for oneness. Yeah. It's it's really interesting how God spells it out and then how reality dictates what we can or can't do yeah, yeah. in that's sexual exactly relationships. Uh, like that, that's a thing. Um, it, it's a, that's something else that we want to discuss as well. It's a foreshadowing of heaven, right? That's the third aspect. That yes, is the third aspect. And that's what we want to get into the third of the three ideas behind this, right? It's a foreshadowing of heaven. Yep. And so uh, I'm going to start that off with a quote by uh, Christopher West. It says, the union of the sexes, as beautiful and wonderful as it, it is in the divine plan, is only a faint glimmer, a pale picture within the time of the eternal union with God. Right? Yeah. So and this it, is interesting. It's a foreshadowing of heaven. And scripture, right? scripture does spell this out, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read to you a passage from Ephesians. Uh, it's Ephesians 5, 28 through 32. And the apostle Paul says this. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, Mm. because we are members of his body. And then he quotes uh, Genesis 2. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Mm. So in this passage, Paul's talking about how marriage, and he's talking about husbands and wives treating each other, right? But then he brings it down to, now listen, I'm talking about Christ and the church here. Mm. Christ is called the bridegroom. The church is called the bride. Uh, We are members of his body. He cares about us because we are his own body, just like husbands ought to care about their wives because they're... Their own body. Yeah. So yeah. there there is this picture in scripture in a lot of places about um Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. Mm. There's passages about wedding suppers, right? Yeah. Wedding feasts in heaven, the wedding supper of the Lamb, all of these things and the consummation of our relationship. And again, it's not a sexual thing. I don't want people to think we're that's we're having sex oh, of in course. heaven. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an intimacy thing. And so when when sex foreshadows the unity that we will have with God in heaven one day, um, this is a beautiful thing to contemplate. And the reason is this. Sex should elevate our gaze in worship of God because it is uh, an amazing experience emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, all of that. And it gives us a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. It's like a, it's like a small taste of the glories to come. Yeah. It's because the, the, what we're getting at here is because the, the unity and what happens when you experience sex and that, um, that joy and the pleasure, that's like kind of an idea of the amount of pleasure that you get being in perfection, right? In the, in the surroundingness of heaven. We describe it as ecstasy, right? Sure, sure. And God's giving us a, a, a small, 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 small appetizer yeah, and the point of what is, heaven will eventually yeah, be. Yeah, the point is is that God 
is going to give us things in heaven that are beyond our comprehension, right? Yeah. And that is what se- that is one of the things that sex gives. It's a foreshadowing of what we're going to get in heaven. Things that are uh, um, overwhelming, as far as like like the things that give us joy. Yeah. That gives us uh, peace and um, unity, right? Mm-hmm. Unity with the Lord. That's going to be a thing. And so yeah. it's like giving this an idea uh, is kind of. A, it's kind of another thing, way that God is blessing us, right? Right now, He's saying, "Look, here, I'm going to give you this as a blessing." It's literally the it's first gonna, blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's going to be a way that you can see what things are going to be like to come. And so, uh, sadly, though, that's the unfortunate side: is that culture in the broken world that we live in mm-hmm. has completely distorted that. Yeah. Right. Well, the, yeah, and that happens a lot. Yeah. Like, but as Christians, one of the things I think we need to remember is. If we worship a God who created sex, can you imagine the amazing things in store for us in the future? If yeah, he could yeah. make that, what else can he make? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's crazy to think about, right? Like, it, it lifts you up to, like, this, oh, my gosh, like, what is going to happen in heaven? What 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 amazing yeah, yeah. experiences are to come in the future? And it, it should, like, that's the foretaste, right? It's a longing for, even. Like, if you could do this... Man, what's heaven going to be like? It's it's amazing to think about. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, that's the thing to think about. Uh, it's just what what is there in store? And so just thinking through the purpose, it's important that we remember that this is also a foreshadowing of what is to come. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to read a passage from Romans one twenty five. Says for they exchanged the truth of uh, of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather mm-hmm. than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Because what's, amen, because what is happening is just like this passage says, people in our culture, we distort that, right? How does, how, okay, when it comes to sex, how does that apply? Well, yeah, like, it's kind of like what we were describing earlier, right? Uh, I mean, for one, for one thing is that sex is used as a thing of worship. Yeah. Like big time. I mean. So instead of worshiping the God who made this great thing. They just worship the great thing. Yeah, that's exactly. Which is stupid. And that's the thing. Even for people like. Uh, like uh, right now, especially uh, in modern culture, like pornography is rampant. Like it is just. Is it fair things- to say, Tyler, that sex is the religion of America? Honestly, yeah. I uh, like to tell you the truth. It, it is because it, it sex just motivates like everything. How if much, you really look at how much money yeah. gets spent on pornography a year? Oh, there's an actual number on that. I don't remember off the top I, of my I've head. I've heard in the past that it's more than. All the income for professional baseball, football, hockey, and basketball combined. So now yeah. you want to talk about we worship the things that we spend our money on. Well, pornography and sex is worshipped in America. Yeah, yeah. Then you think about the homosexual movement. You think about the transgender movement. You think about all of this, right? The free love yeah. movement. You think about abortions to take care of. So what I think we've seen happen is people don't know the purpose of sex mm. and they start to worship it. And they miss out on what it was intended to be. Yeah. So that, that's what you just read, right? They, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve the creature instead of the creator, which is just mm. crazy. And so the way I think this has happened a lot, and I want to see what you think about this. Um, you notice when we were talking about the purposes of sex, we never once said that the purpose of it is pleasure. Yeah. We never said that. No. And that's the thing. But is there pleasure involved? Of course, of course there, there is. is. Yes. Now, here, here's how this works. Mm-hmm. Pleasure in the sexual relationship is an incentive to do the activity, but it's not the purpose of the activity. 
Yeah. And here's how this works in another way. Um, pleasure is involved in eating food. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of eating food isn't pleasure. Of course. The purpose yes. of eating food is what? Nutrition. Yeah, yeah. But there's pleasure involved. Of course there is. As yeah. an incentive a, to get yourself nutrition. That's a, it's really a good, thing. good way of describing it, actually. So I, what, I really like that. What I think's happened in our culture is people have believed the lie that pleasure is mm. the purpose of sex. Yeah, yeah. And so now think about how it plays out. Pleasure is the purpose of sex. I can do whatever I want with my body and have an enjoyable time. But I engaged in an activity that made me pregnant. So what do I do? Well, I kill, I kill that yeah. baby. I kill that pregnancy because that's not the purpose of sex. The purpose is my pleasure. Yeah. Do you see how this is so off base? That's exactly what and happens. And I can sleep around with multiple different people and it doesn't matter because the purpose isn't unity with a spouse. The purpose is pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. All of it, man. And that's it's just, why it's, it's so wild. And that's why it is worshipped is because of the the pleasure that it brings. And that, yep. that's the thing. It's because of that. Like, it's just unfortunate because God gave us, like, the pleasure that you get through the act of sex as mm-hmm. a blessing yes. to enjoy with your spouse. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, is like we distort that. We take it and we run with it and yep. make it into something that it shouldn't, it was never meant to be. And yep. so that's, that's where it really gets broken. And that's so you're why d- you're doing something that, that wasn't intended. Right? Exactly. And, and that's why it harms so many people. Yeah. That, that, that's the, that's the craziest part to it is when we do things with stuff that wasn't designed to be done with that stuff. It's not good for us. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's why there's so many broken relationships and there's mistrust and there's turmoil and anxiety and hurt and depression, divorce, all these things um, is because we're not understanding what we're supposed to do with sex. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly the case. And so uh, la- lastly, we want to touch on something that's very important, I think, to wrap this idea up mm-hmm. on, and that is Jesus's view on sex. Yeah. What does Jesus say about sex? This is important because so often you'll hear people uh, say stuff like, um, you know, well, Jesus never um, said homosexuality was wrong. Uh, well, Jesus never said, you know, this transgenderism was wrong. Jesus never said that sleeping around was wrong. This kind of a thing. And um, it's such a weird idea because we believe Jesus is kind of behind writing all of the Bible. Yeah. Therefore, he did say it was wrong. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but, so yeah, when they yeah. say that, what they mean is the words recorded that Jesus said while he was on earth in the Gospels, he didn't say these things. Very specific, yeah. But he does speak to the purpose of sex and marriage. Which implies that he also spoke on... Which implies something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a big deal. First of all, he also says that the the law and the prophets are true, which means he agrees with the sexual ethic of the Old Testament. Yes. Um, But in Matthew 19, 3 through 6, Jesus does something really fascinating. I want to read that. Matthew 19, 3 through 6. Yes, so it says... Some, oh, I'll read it. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. There you Some go. Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him, and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? All right, time out before I read the rest. Yeah. What was happening um, at this time period, there was this huge dispute between um, the two Jewish sects, and they were mm. arguing, not sexes. Yeah, we got to clarify that because we said yeah, that word a yeah. lot. So it's sex. Sects. S-E-C-T-S. <laughs> Um, and they were arguing over a theological matter about divorce and marriage. And so in the Old Testament, Moses says that you can write your wife a certificate of, vor- for, of divorce for an indecency. Mm. And so there were two schools of thought. The traditionalists, the conservatives, were saying, listen, that means adultery. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what he was talking about. He was talking about she's unfaithful to you. 
And that's the one reason you can get a divorce. Yeah. Well, there was this more um, progressive uh, thought process going on at the time. And they said, well, indecency, I mean, that can mean anything. And I'm not joking you. This is what they were arguing. Yeah. If she burns your breakfast, that's indecent, and you can divorce her for that. <laughs> so the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they're on the conservative side. They're saying you can't just divorce your wife for any reason, and they want to know what he thinks about this. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So this is so awesome. They start asking him, is it lawful— so according to the law of Moses, right, mm -hmm. can a man divorce his wife for any reason like these crazy jokers are saying? Yeah, yeah. They're asking him his opinion. And look at what Jesus does. He answered and he said to them, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, and then he goes to Genesis 1, yeah. made them male and female and said, and then he quotes Genesis mm -hmm. 2, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Then Jesus said, so they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Yeah. So think about what Jesus did. They came to him saying, is it lawful? According to the law of Moses, how do we go about divorce? And Jesus doesn't talk about the laws of Moses. He bypasses it and he goes all the way back to the beginning of how God intended things to be in creation before the fall. Yeah. And he says he made them male and female, and a man's going to leave his mother and, and father and be joined to his wife and become one flesh. That's the intention. Mm -hmm. So when that's happened, people shouldn't separate what God intended to be, what God has joined together. Yeah. So Jesus bypasses the law. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it's very cool. And that's the thing is when Jesus was confronted with this, right, this redefinition of marriage. That's what they were asking, that's right? That's exactly yeah. what was happening yeah. like, in his own culture. He referred to it the way that God created man and woman. And that's exactly what we were doing today, right? Yep. It's that it comes down to creation. What What's is the purpose? the purpose? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Jesus did. He went back to the purpose. Uh, this reference is pointing out God's original intention for marriage, being one man, one woman, becoming one flesh for one lifetime. Yep. And that's exactly what he's doing. So, so, and that kind of answers what you brought up earlier, that argument that people make and say, well, Jesus never said that you can't be transgender or, like or have, homosexual. Yeah, or homosexuality. Yeah. Like yeah. the thing is, is when, by this right here, yes, he's saying, look back to what the, the law says. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it is. And, and so by that definition that he gives, mm -hmm. that implies that this, the only intended purpose is between one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. That is how God designed it to be. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And divorce disrupts that. Yeah, it does. And adultery is bad because does. it disrupts that. All these things. So marriage is to be between one man and one woman, and sex is to be exhibited mm -hmm. only in marriage. This is the biblical view of sex. That is the only type of relationship where you're supposed to engage in a one flesh activity. Yeah. I am not going to engage in sex with most people that I have deep relationships with in my life. Mm -hmm. But I am going to engage in it with one person. And who is that one person? That's the one person that I am in a marriage relationship with. One man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. Yeah, That's exactly. the biblical perspective. So because this is God's design for marriage mm. and his design for sex— it's not surprising that when we read the the Bible that all of the activities 
uh, that the Bible prohibits, all sexual activities that the Bible mm-hmm. prohibits involve sexual activity with someone who's not your spouse. Yeah, they do. It's not, it's not um, discriminatory towards any specific thing because there's only one right way to exhibit mm-hmm. biblical sexuality. Yeah, that's Anything outside of that is against God's design. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And uh, like, this is just something, just a side note, but like, even like non-Christians understand, like, like instinctively, we have a concept built into us that this is the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Because the thing is, is culturally people don't like it when you go and sleep around with other people that oh, aren't. Man. It causes lots of problems. It does. It causes tons of problems. Yep. Uh, like that's the thing. And so like culturally and instinctively mm-hmm. as human beings, we're designed knowing this is a problem. It's yeah. just true. Well, and wanting yeah. faithfulness from our sexual partner. Yeah. And even when people like, mm-hmm. you know, people who say like, oh, no, we have an open relationship. It causes problems. It does cause problems. It absolutely causes problems. Yep. And that's the other thing, too. It's just like it, it's because the reason why this keeps happening is because it's being distorted. Right. They're focusing yeah. on pleasure. Well, and it, honestly, it's really interesting because pleasure is a it's an aspect of sex and it's an awesome aspect of it. But if you're in a marriage relationship and and oneness is there and you read the new Testament about uh, being self-sacrificial and serving your spouse and loving your spouse and considering them as you and you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to sex, self gratification probably shouldn't be the motivation behind everything. Yeah. Probably serving the other one sexually Mm-hmm. should be your motivation and then that should also be their motivation and when you're having that reciprocal servant heart not just in a sexual relationship but in your marriage it's harmonious right yeah when i course. care about them more than i care about myself mm. it's amazing even sexually yeah. so seeking my own pleasure is off base i think even within a marriage not to say that you can't have of course you have pleasure from it right yeah yeah but right. but if that's the only thing you're caring about and you're not caring about them and their pleasure it's off mm. and so that's what sex has become in our, in our society is what can i get out of this yes it's exactly. a selfishly motivated activity and that leads to so much destruction exactly and i, I want to share a quote this is from greg kokel yeah it says all forms of sex condemned in scripture have a common characteristic Sex other than between a husband and his wife. Okay, now let's think through this because this is fascinating. Um, great quote, great mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, love it. Right, Greg Kokel, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really interesting. So let's let's list some of the uh, sins, sexual sins the Bible talks about. Yeah, well, one of them. What would it be? Fornication. Okay, stop right there. That is a word nobody uses anymore. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I actually would like a T-shirt that says. I think. I think I'm just like aware no of that way. because yeah. like I, I look into these things a lot, but that's true. A lot of people don't use that word a lot and yeah. some people don't even know what that means. What does it mean? Yeah. It means just sex with someone who you're not married to. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, sex exactly. with somebody that you're not married to typically that, that, um, before you're married yeah. and before they're married. And, and typically for when you say fornication, it implies that you're having sex with the opposite sex too. Cause there's, there's another form of this sure. homosexuality, right? Or yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. So, uh, but this is uh, fornication specifically. The main idea is that you're having sex with someone before you're married, before you're married. That's yep. the idea of it. That's mm-hmm. the idea of it. Um, and God says that's terrible. Why? Well, because sex is supposed to be in the confines of a marriage relationship, mm-hmm. which is one man, one woman, one flesh for one lifetime. Exactly. And if you don't, if you're not in that type of a relationship, you shouldn't be engaging in this activity. 
Yeah, yeah. Our culture doesn't believe this is true at all, but it is true. Mm. Um, another aspect or another sin that is condemned in Scripture is adultery. Of course, yeah. What, what's adultery? What's the difference between fornication and adultery? Yeah, so this is sex with somebody else uh, who is not your spouse after you were married. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, you're committing adultery on your spouse because you're having sex with somebody who's not your spouse. Yes, exactly. Because... You're not supposed to have sex except within the confines of a marriage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? so, That's exactly it. So there's one place to do this, and doing it outside of that place is harmful. Don't do it with somebody who's not your spouse. Don't do it with somebody who's not your spouse before you have a spouse. Yeah. Don't do it with somebody who's not your spouse after you have a spouse, right? Mm -hmm. What is another aspect? Well, then there's rape, which okay. is, I mean, everybody kind of has an idea what that is, but... Now, rape is forcing sex on somebody yes. who isn't your spouse. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right? That's that's what it is. It's, 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 it's uh, accosting somebody. It's violating mm -hmm. somebody to selfishly indulge your urge. Yeah, that's exactly right? it. It's mm -hmm. not about them. It's not love. It's no, rape. No. And so mm -hmm. it's with someone who's not your spouse, which gets into yeah. an interesting question. Can you rape your spouse? I mean, if they're not, I, I guess like if they're not like complying. Think about know? this. I don't, well, now think about this. I In mean, a harmonious marriage, if you're both seeking each other's best and serving one another, it's an impossibility to rape your spouse. Yeah, because if I uh, want to have sex with my wife and I'm thinking to serve her and she says, I'm, I'm not feeling good tonight, I'm not going to f follow through with that's it what I mean, because I care yeah, yeah. about her. Right. Mm -hmm. And now if then there's issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So in yeah. a harmonious marriage relationship, that's not a harmonious is the key there. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And that's how God designed it to be. Yeah. But rape is with somebody who isn't your spouse seeking your own pleasure and not caring about that other person at all, right? Uh, yeah. Another aspect, another sexual sin, incest. Yeah. So how isn't this the right way to do it? What is incest? Well, it's when it's someone who is of the same family. And yes. that, that's the thing. What's interesting about this one, it's very interesting. Like Obviously, like in the Old Testament, in the beginning mm -hmm. of creation, mm -hmm. siblings had to... Uh, multiply with each other. The sure. descendants of Adam and Eve had to, but the problem is, is that over time when uh, the world is spread apart mm -hmm. and we see this scientific, like there's data too, that shows that this is a problem. Yeah. You can, it is not okay to have sexual relationships with people who are of your immediate family, of your because, family. Because one of the purposes of sex is procreation. Correct. And there is genetic malfunction and deformity exactly. that results when you have sex with somebody and that is of against, your immediate family. And it is anti-creation because it, it actually, it causes deficiencies, like you said. So yeah. it, it actually attacks the idea of procreation because it's hurting Creation. Yeah, it's hurting the yeah. person who's procreated. Exactly. So, so incest, biblically, is having sex with somebody who cannot be your spouse. Yeah. Does it make sense? It does. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's okay. So that's not a marriage relationship. Yeah. It's a different mm -hmm. type of thing. Another one would be bestiality, yeah. which is sex with an animal, which once again is sex with somebody who cannot be your spouse. If you call it a somebody, sure. Well, because yeah. Mar yeah. because marriage yeah. is what marriage is: mm -hmm. image of God bearers, male and female, one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. Yeah. So you can't have a dog or a goat or an ox in that because they're not image bearers. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's excluded. It's not the way to exhibit sexuality. Yeah, exactly. And then you get into uh, homosexuality. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. having sex with somebody who cannot be your spouse. Mm-hmm. Because marriage is one man and one woman. Yeah. One flesh, one lifetime. Well, and, and that's the thing. I, I think uh, another aspect of this too is now culturally people are confusing that by making the definition that someone of the same sex can be your spouse by mm-hmm. making it legal. But see, here's the, here's the thing that's fascinating about that is if the purpose of sex is procreation, unity between mm-hmm. the sexes, and a foretaste of heaven, they aren't exhibiting procreation. They cannot procreate. I've thought about this a lot. This is a fascinating aspect to me, and it does make me feel sad for homosexual couples, like true empathy Mm -hmm. in this. In a homosexual relationship, um, you know, um, some of them will adopt. Yeah. Some of them will spin their sperm together and then get an egg donor or a surrogate and impregnate them and have a child. Um, Even when you do that, spin your sperm together, it's still one of your sperm. It's not both of your sperm. No, it's not. Um, It's one of your sperms. Um, So this this makes me really sad for homosexual couples. The person that you love most in the world, probably, Mm -hmm. who you're in a homosexual marriage with, right, which I don't believe is biblical it's not marriage sure, right it's just legal but you're in this marriage with that person and together you cannot create a child yeah. you cannot create an image bearer of both of you even though you have the desire to do it so mm-hmm. the next best thing is to surrogate or to adopt yeah but you cannot together create a child with the person it, you love most in the yeah, world. It's Isn't that sad? It, it is. It and really the is. fact that they adopt and the fact that they do surrogacy shows that they yeah. have the desire, yeah. but they're not in a relationship that functions with the purpose of procreation. And, and we, we should feel sad for that. It, it is no, sad. Really, it's hard. Really, it's because hard. It is. It is. It absolutely is. Like, yeah, like we have the view like, like biblically that um, it's not marriage and that it's immoral or that type of relationship. Yeah. But we have to understand that like there's still a human being with like the desire to procreate because yes. that's, that's what we were created with. Yep. And, and they're not able to do that. They're not no. able to do it. And, the, and it the is. activity it, they're engaging in can't do that. We, yeah, it's something we that should is, feel bad for that. Absolutely. Right? And the fact that they do it adopt or they desire kids shows that they want that Mm -hmm. but they're not functioning sexually the way god intended us to yeah and that's why it isn't a marriage that's why it's not fulfilling the purpose of sex it's why it's worshiping the creation rather than the creator and so the bible is clear that the place where sex is supposed to be exhibited is between one man and one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime and that the purposes of sex are procreation, are a taste of heaven, mm. and are oneness with your spouse. Absolutely. And pleasure is an incentive to do the activity to fulfill the purposes, but mm. pleasure isn't the purpose. Yes, that's right. I think I think having a biblical worldview on this really helps us to understand sexual deviancy, mm. the problems that these these sins bring into all of our lives, um, the power that lust has over us. Mm. Like lust is just, um, it's such a lie to be honest. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it tells you, you need to fulfill this pleasure. 
Yeah, lust is extremely. It's it's only self desiring. That's selfish, what it, right? I mean, that's yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Because uh, the point is self fulfillment. Like like mm. like think about think about people who are addicted to porn. Like yeah. like they're obviously not doing anything <clears throat> for the other person. It's just purely out of their own selfish yeah. impulses. And that's well, what it is. And what does that do after a long time? You think I'm choosing to do this thing that's fun. And then you become enslaved to it because you're addicted to yeah. it. Because the dopamine hit that's going on in your brain, because of the physical addiction you get to pornography, mm. it's much like drugs. Sin yeah. enslaves us. Mm. So instead of doing what God intended to do, like even with food, if pleasure becomes the purpose of eating, it's bad for us. Yeah. Right? Because now I'm eating five, you know, large pizzas a day and I'm <laughs> yeah. eating in and out every time and I'm getting shakes all over the place. And it, if pleasure becomes the reason that I eat, I'm off base and it enslaves me. That's that's the thing. It's it's always like even when it comes to food too, right? Like mm-hmm. with with sex, with anything. And that's the point. We talked about this quite a bit on the podcast before, but it's whenever something uh, oftentimes whenever you have something that's really good, mm-hmm. We as sinful, broken creatures take that and we move it into something it's not. Mm. And that's when it becomes sin. Yes. That's always what happens. It, it is. Like, like with everything, right? Wouldn't that be... It's called idol worship. Idol worship. It, it, that's really that's what, what this it falls is. under. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what the, that verse you read out of Romans 1. Instead mm-hmm. of worshiping the guy who made sex, they worship sex. Instead of worshiping the guy who made food taste good, they yeah. worship food. Instead of worshiping the guy that made the sun, they worship the sun. It's such yeah. a stupid idea when you think about it. When like, why wouldn't I worship the guy who made all this cool stuff? Yeah. Why do I worship the stuff? It's bizarre. Like I'd be really I'd be really sad if, you know, like I bought a Christmas present for my kids. Mm-hmm. Like for my son Cohen. Like if I bought him like something I know he'd love and I give it to him and he starts thanking the gift instead of thanking me. Right, he's like, he's like, "Thank you, this the new game and he's toy for being so cool." And he's, he's yeah. writing thank you letters to the gift. I'd be like, "Bro, like that this is so off base." But that is what we do with God. We disregard yeah. Him and we worship the stuff. And um, I heard I heard a guy one time put it like this: is whenever a good thing, like sex, mm-hmm. becomes a God thing, it's a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's idol worship. That's and that's very we, true. So. So here, here's the big idea. We have to know what the purpose of sex is. Mm. When we know what the purpose of sex is, we can exhibit it in the correct manner, which brings us the most satisfaction and the least devastation. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're trying to promote on this show is we want people to be who they truly are. We want people to have great sex. And the best way to do that is the way God intended us to do it. The best way to follow through with it, the the way that brings you the least amount of heartache and pain, the way that brings you oneness with a human being, sexually, emotionally, spiritually, uh, psychologically, all of those things, the way God intended it to be is the best thing for us. Yeah. But but we grope around in the dark trying to figure out different things and, and follow pleasure instead of following purpose. Yeah. And we really need to follow the purpose of the way God's designed things to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And so, thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's episode. Uh, uh, just remember, like, if you are going through uh, like something that is involving uh, pornography or anything uh, that you're struggling with, or some family that are struggling with uh, that takes sex outside of what God intended it to be, um, please just read through the passages in Scripture. Pray, uh, use prayer a mm-hmm. lot in these situations, and get help. 
uh, reach out to us if you want to. If you're going through something, uh, we'd love to pray for you or talk to you about uh, anything you may be going through. But uh, we just ask and hope that this episode has been an encouragement to you, that you can uh, learn from this as what the intended purpose is of sex or go and share this with others. Because uh, a part of apologetics, right, is understanding and knowing our faith and knowing what we believe and mm-hmm. knowing how God created and intended th- certain things to be. So that yeah. way we can tell the world what it was meant to be. And I think I think one of the practical things that we could do with this is talk to our brothers and sisters, talk to our kids about this because yeah, the yeah. world is telling us that pleasure is what you need to seek. And we need to come in and say, hey, actually, uh, let's let's see what God says the purpose for this thing is. Yeah. So that from a young age, they can know it's not just about these desires and these mm, feelings. Yeah. There's reason for it, and the pleasure is an awesome aspect of it, but it isn't the intended purpose of it. So talk to your kids about this. Talk to your grandkids about this. Make sure they understand the purpose of sex and why God has blessed us with this amazing thing. Yeah, of course. Yep. All right, but yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we will be back next week with a new episode. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.